VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to a new quick hitter from the Pure Hoops podcast. Our guest this week is the one and only Antonio Davis. Uh, great show with him. We delved into the NBA return in Orlando, what he's doing in the community of Oakland right now to help the cause, and of course went down memory lane with some really great stuff from the 1990s. Hope you enjoy. When you went overseas, you know, yeah. because that's a that's a different game, right? It's more finesse, yeah. more, you know, you bigs working on their skill. But then when right. you come to the NBA, I mean, you seem to thrive in the conflict of playing like a true big. I mean... Right. You were a very physical player who played that way, and you and Oakley and all of you, Buck Williams and all of you guys. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, I, I don't. I, it was just like that's how the game was played, right? I mean, right. I was going to cut through the. Right. I was going to cut through, and you were going to hit me, and it was understood yeah. that that's how the game was played. Right. But you thrived in it. Right. How did yeah. you make that adjustment from college? Europe and all of a sudden you you're 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 thrown in that environment and suddenly you are one of the best players to play that style. I mean, you guys were terrific there for many years in Indiana and uh you were right there right. at you know knocking on the doorstep. Right. You know, man, it, it, it to be honest, DJ, it, it was such a blessing when I look back on it because I played 2 years in Greece and then my third year I go to Italy. And I played for Mike D'Antoni. And the, the the great thing about that was we would get up in the mornings. I'd meet him at the gym sometimes. Um, and we would go through some stuff, uh, sit down, have some lunch. I'd go home, take a nap, and then come back at night. And we'd practice with the team. And, you know, a whole year of that, man, I was very confident after that season of being ready to go into the NBA. It was kind of crazy because I broke my hand towards the end of that season. So I went in the summer league coming out of a cast. I had surgery and everything. Uh, but luckily I had a guy like Larry Brown um, who saw something in me and was going to give me an opportunity to play. Um, and then when I get to the Pacers, I got guys like Masao Thompson and, uh, you know, Derek McKee uh, was traded to us. Dale Davis, um, I, uh, Rick Smith. I got true kind of bigs. Um, you know, teaching me how to play that style of basketball. And then you had no choice because you go play, a, you know, a New York Knicks or Miami or any of those teams, and they just had bigs that would beat you up. So either you were going to step up and learn how to play that way and play it well, or you were really going to fizzle out and not be able to play, especially in the East. So I, I don't think I had a choice. It was all a blessing and all kind of lined up for me, and it all worked out. Antonio, to that point, you know, present day, especially the last, I'd say, five, seven years, obviously the perimeter play in the NBA has reached new heights. The, the depth of mm. high-level point guards is at another level. Mm -hmm. Your era that you're talking about, especially that mid to late 90s, early 2000s, the mm -hmm. power forward position is, I think, 
for, for those that know the game, they realize it, but I think the common fan doesn't realize how physical, how skilled, and how deep that position was. Can you talk about mm. some of the guys that you would have to face back then, night after night after night? Do you know, I used to hate it, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, every team had this guy that was strong as I don't know what, and for some reason I have to end up guarding him. You know what I mean? It was no matter who that's, you know, Michael Cage, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Otis Thorpe. uh, Otis Thorpe. It's like, come on, man. You got to be kidding me. And and you, the crazy part was I was always kind of have to take it week by week. So you have a week where you're kind of going through Texas and you're like, oh, my goodness, Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson. And, and Dallas always had a big stiff that you had to run up against. So, there was, you know, it, it just didn't matter. You know, wherever we went, every single team just had a bruiser. And I had the Terry Cummings, uh, just you name it, man. Charles Oakley. And, and, man, I love the fact that I got a chance to play with Charles in Toronto. He and Kevin Willis, man, taught me so much about that position and about you know, the way that they trained every day, uh, to hear some of the stories about their battles, you know, taught me another level of going out and playing a different way, you know, as a leader on the floor. Like, how do you control or how do you help lead the team from the big man spot? You know what I mean? Because usually the point guard was kind of running everything. But I was able to, you know, anchor our defenses at times because I'm yelling to the point guard, you know, pick left, pick right go under, go over, and all that kind of stuff. And then offensively, you know, throw the ball in the post, everybody move, and I was kind of running it from there. So to learn that from those guys was just huge for me, man. Again, I just I just feel I was blessed with the guys that I was able to play with and play around and play against, and it was just a great time of basketball during that time. You know, as a, uh, as a filmmaker, I, I would love some footage of you, Kevin Willis, and Charles Oakley in a weight room. Just to see what they would look like. First of all, how how many how many how many dumbbells will be eaten and thrown in that way? Bro, I'm telling you, I would go in there with them guys. I'd be like, no. I went in there a few times and I was so sore for days on. I was like, I can't lift with you guys, man. That's just. I can't do it, man. Those those guys are at another level. I'm telling you. I, I can't even imagine. You know, and and you know the other thing that I, I just want to get into about the power forward position. And uh, a few days ago was 25 years since uh, KG got drafted out of high school, and mm. um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm lucky enough to be working with him on his film. And the one thing he talks about a lot is the battles with Weber. Rashid, Dice, mm. mm-hmm. Dirk mm-hmm. comes along. What, what was mm-hmm. it like from your perspective going up against the bruisers and then seeing the evolution of the position happen where now you've got these guys who are strong, agile, highly skilled and facing you up and posting you up? What was that, what was that change like at the position? You know, that was, that was tough for me, man, because – you go from, you know, one night having to play against a, a Patrick Ewing who you knew, uh, you know, a New York Knicks who it was going to just be a physical game. Obviously, those guys are skilled, not taking anything away from them. But then you go and you play 
a Washington Bullets at that time, you know, with a Chris Weber and a Juwan Howard, and it was a totally different game. You know, you're you're talking about being more positioned and uh, and giving them some space. They can put the ball on the floor. You know, they can rebound the ball, take it the length of the floor. They were great passers. They were super long, can shoot the ball. There were so many different things that, that they can do um, that you almost had to um, – um, oh, I know I did uh, in practice having to start running around chasing, you know, smaller guys, learning how to play the position out on the perimeter because you weren't just going to be playing with guys with their back to the basket. Uh, a Tim Duncan was a perfect example. He can play with his back to the basket and face up kind of in the, in his sweet spot, and you were just kind of at his mercy. You know, whatever he wanted to do, he was going to do. Uh, for me, it was like just take something away. Don't let him have all the options. Um, and 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 it was it was I I bet you during that time I fouled out of more games trying to figure that out than anything because I was just so used to you know, guys playing with their back to the basket, hey, take something away or make this shot tough. You knew they were going to have to turn, you know, shoot some kind of turnaround, fade away, up and under or something. But when guys started facing up, man, it was it was a whole different ballgame. We hope you listened to the full conversation with Antonio Davis. Check out the Pure Hoops podcast with B.J. Armstrong and yours truly, Eric Newman, each and every week coming to you from Pure Hoops Media. Stay pure.